Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kinda Opinionated Podcast. If you didn't know, I'm your host, Luke Sharon, and I'm kind of opinionated. Today we have a very special guest, Miss Laura Tennyson or Tennyson? Tennyson. Tennyson. She's currently, uh, current, she is the current interim chair of the Kootenai County Democrats. Well, thank you for being on my podcast today. Of course, it's my pleasure. Uh... Well, today we're going to be talking about a couple topics which I think are very relevant for the Democrats of Kootenai County and even Idaho, if that's okay with you. Of course. Uh, Before we get started, I just wanted to say that due to fears over COVID-19 virus, uh, the upcoming sheriff debate has been postponed for further notice. We will likely keep the date and just live stream it. Thank you. Let's let's get started Um, to our first question. what do you do as the interim chair of the Cooney County Democrats, and what does that entail? Well, I've only been the interim chair for about a month now, so I'm just kind of getting started in the daily duties, but I um, generally oversee the, both the executive committee for the Cooney County Democrats and the central committee for the Cooney County Democrats, and then all the committees um, that are subcommittees of those committees. So we have like a communications committee, Community Outreach Committee, Candidate Recruitment Committee. Um, so I kind of oversee all of those and just make sure that everything is running smoothly. I help to organize events. I organized that presidential meeting oh, yeah, that yeah. you came to. Yeah. Um, so I just, right now, I'm trying to focus on getting more exposure for the Kootenai County Democrats and making sure that everybody knows that there are actually Democrats <laughs> here because sometimes yeah. people forget. Do you, what's your ideas to get more exposure? Um, I think doing events like we have been um, that draw a lot of interest. I know people are really interested in supporting a cause, mm-hmm. and that's oftentimes why people support certain candidates. And so being able to organize the events surrounding the recent election, um, I think got some more exposure for us. And I think if we continue to have events like that, and to draw the community into the causes that we're supporting, I think that we'll get a lot more support from our community. How do you get dem? I mean, how do you get Republicans to come to these Democratic uh, events? You know, that's the more difficult issue. Um, obviously, we are talking about partisan politics here. Yeah. And so Republicans are not likely to come to Democratic events. But what we're really focusing on is catering to the independent voters Mm. because i think it's something like 40 percent of kootenai county is registered as independent so that means those people could vote either way and so what we're, we're really trying to do is reach out to the people who haven't quite made a decision on the issues or the candidates and to try to appeal to them in the type of events we're scheduling and the type of information that we're getting out to our community so how do you plan to advertise these events to uh, to independents um, or to uh, Republicans leaning kind of towards Democratic ideas? Um, we advertise in the quarterly press. We have our website. We have a newsletter that goes out to thousands of people um, each month. We have or week. I'm sorry. Um, we advertise on Facebook and um, Instagram and Twitter. 
of social media, and then we send out events to people as well. And so we usually get a pretty good attendance yeah. to our more popular events. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for your answer. Um, so there are a couple big elections coming to Idaho, uh, most notably the Senate race between Rish, Soto, right, Soto, yes. and Jordan. Yes. Um, only one county voted blue for the 2016 Senate race. How do you plan to help make Kootenai County vote blue in this race and even in the presidential race? Well, I think that would be quite a big undertaking to get Kootenai County to vote blue so quickly. Yeah. I think it's going to be more of a long-term game plan that we have to implement in order to kind of slowly turn the county over because the county used to be blue. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, but wasn't back it? Back in the 80s and 90s. And it slowly changed over to a very conservative, um, far-right type of leadership. How did that happen? Just... Um, you know, there's all kinds of theories about that. Um, some theories are just that um, a lot of Democrats moved away and the Republicans uh, didn't necessarily have anyone opposing them. So they just kind of moved a little bit further and further and further right. Now, that's not to say that there haven't always been Democrats here, because yeah. there have, definitely. But I think the percentage of Democrats has decreased over the year. And I think we have a large influx of conservative people moving here because it's advertised as kind of um, you know an isolated area it's beautiful our taxes are less which draws more of the right-wing crowd yeah um, you know our pro the property doesn't cost as much as many other states and so I think for a lot of reasons um, and because the readout movement is really popular here I think that has drawn a lot of conservative people to our area and just kind of moved the needle further and further to the right. Yeah. Well, thank you for your uh, answer. Um, and a state that is very conservative and very Republican um, and has voted red for the last 13 years, my lifespan, why did you decide to become a Democrat and not follow like the majority of the people? Well, interestingly, I was raised in a very conservative Republican household. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I also was not, I wasn't born and raised in Cooney County. I grew up in Seattle, and I also spent uh, over 12 years in Eugene, Oregon. And those two places tend to be a little more on the liberal side. Mm -hmm. But I think that what really um, like confirmed my beliefs is, and my mom asked me this about a year ago. She said, you know, you and your brother and sister were all raised in a very conservative Republican household, yeah. how did you all turn out to be Democrats? <laughs> and I said, well, in addition to being raised in a conservative Republican household, I was also raised in a Christian household, and we were taught <clears throat> Jesus' teaching and the principles of the Bible. And I also went to a Christian university mm -hmm. when I went away to college, and I minored in biblical studies. And to me, I just don't see Jesus' teachings and the principles of the Bible aligning with the Republican platform. I see that Democrats are much more sympathetic to um, the most disadvantaged people in our society. Yeah. And I believe that as a society, we should be there to help and support the people who need it the most in yeah. our society. You know, the disabled people, the people who just don't earn as much money. I think that health care should be a right and not a privilege. Mm -hmm. I don't think people should die because they can't afford their medication. 
And so also I see the Democrats focusing on the environment and they really care about our planet. And I just don't see any of those things being focused on in the Republican platform. And for those reasons, and because I want to help people, I definitely more align with mm -hmm. the Democratic platform. Although, if I had my way, I wish that there weren't any political parties. I think that they're very divisive. And I think that having a two-party system is what has split our country apart. Mm. And I think that we could have a lot more unity if we did away with pol political parties and um, candidates just ran on their platform and their issues. Because then we'd be voting based on what candidates were going to do to help us versus based on what letter followed the candidate's name on the ballot. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I This is just a random question I just had. Um, if you feel like uh, more of the Christian beliefs uh, follow up with the democratic ideals, then why? Because here we have a pretty high percentage of Christians and Mormons. Sure. Um, why do you think not many Mormons and Christians are coming over to the democratic side? Um, I would say, first of all, there's a lot of misinterpretation of the Bible. I actually took two years of Koine Greek so that I could read the New Testament in its original language. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you learn a lot of things about the Bible, such as there could be a lot of different interpretations of one passage. So I think that some people use the Bible to um, vilify or condemn, say, homosexuals. And I think that the Bible is used improperly in that way because I don't think that Jesus ever condemned homosexuality or ever would have said that the woman's place is to be silent. Those things that were written were oftentimes letters written from like the Apostle Paul to mm. churches that were having specific problems. So say like the verse that talks about women being silent in the church, that was because of a specific problem that that church was dealing with where the women were being misled by the heretics mm. and they were causing um, disruption and problems in the church. So it was a specific situation, not necessarily a blanket statement like a lot of Christians use it as. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of it has to do with misinterpretation of the Bible. And I think a lot of it has to do with the issue of abortion. And I think because the Republicans are the pro-life par party, then they tend to get um, more religious people following them and following their candidates. Yeah. I, I went to one of the Republican, uh, uh, what do you call it, Republican uh, town, hall. town halls, yeah. and it was weird because there were abortion protesters at the uh, at the town hall, yeah. which they were in favor of it, and they they said it multiple times on how much they hated abortion, right. and they were protesting outside not to do. It was weird. It was really weird, but I thought that was kind of ironic. Yeah, a, a lot of times those Republican town halls, Democrats will show up to as well. Mm -hmm. I would have been at that town hall if it hadn't been for the Democratic town hall that we were holding that same day. Oh, really? Just later in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we oftentimes will get those abortion protesters showing up to our events as well. So um, they just flip-flop around. Yeah, but I think they kind of show up to the Republican town halls assuming that there's going to be a crowd of Democrats there as well. And, you know, it's really unfortunate that Democrats are labeled as baby killers because I don't know any Democrat who is pro-abortion. I know a lot of Democrats who are pro-choice, but they believe that abortion should be used 
in very specific situations Mm -hmm. and that it's not responsible to use it as birth control. So I think that that is a really unfortunate narrative that has been um, kind of assigned to the Democrats, especially here in Kootenai County, because that's not what any of us believe. We all believe that a woman should have the choice over her own body, but that abortion should rarely, if never, be used. Yeah. Well, thank you for your answer. Uh, This... So there's this new epidemic. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's not it's not really known, you know, the coronavirus. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh the coronavirus, the new pandemic that the world or in this case the US has decided we're going to die from. The hysteria of the virus seems to be growing with President Donald Trump declaring a national emergency and the US stock market absolutely going crazy. Um my question for you is, do you feel as if this is as the best decision for Idaho is to close down schools and public events in fear of getting the virus? You know, I'm not, I don't work for the health department, so I can't really make recommendations like that. But I can say that the Kootenai County Democrats are suspending all of our in-person events currently. And it's not out of fear or panic. It's because we see what's happening in the rest of the world. And we want to make sure that we do everything we can to slow the spread of the virus so that our healthcare systems don't get overwhelmed. Because we see other countries who are running out of hospital beds and who are having to set up triage tents outside of their hospitals to treat the number of people that are requiring medical care. And I just don't want to see that happen here. I, I do think it's responsible for everybody to postpone their events right now, to hold meetings virtually, to do phone conferences if necessary. I mean, everything can be rescheduled, you know? But I just think it's the most responsible thing we can do to um, practice social distancing yeah. and make sure that we're doing our part to prevent the spread because this could be really serious for the United States. Yeah. And even if it doesn't develop to that extent, I mean, the worst that can happen is maybe we prevented the spread of the flu a little bit this year, you know? Yeah. So do you think all this fear that's coming out of the, the coronavirus is, um, is uh, 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 justifiable? I don't think that the panic to the extent where people are hoarding toilet yeah. paper and food and hand sanitizer, I don't think that that is justified. Although I will say that COVID-19 is a serious virus. Yeah. And part of the reason why is because it just appeared. We haven't had time to develop vaccinations Mm -hmm. or treatments. It has a much higher rate of contagion than the flu does. And it has a much higher death rate. The um, flu kills about 0.1% of people annually. Is that because they have the the flu vaccination or the flu shot? You know, that's very possible. Or it just could be because the virus of the virus itself and the way it's made up. But I know that 10 times more people are dying from COVID-19 than they are of the flu. Mm-hmm. So the flu, the death rate is 0.1%, and COVID-19 is more close to 1%. And Mm. so we just have to be really careful, especially because the elderly people and people with pre-existing health conditions are most at risk. And so it's up to all of us to minimize um, the danger to them from this virus. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just me, but I've noticed that on both sides of the party, there have been fear-mongering about this coronavirus. And even um, whether you think it's... uh, if 
if the um, the hysteria is unjust, unjust, or if it is completely uh, reasonable. Um, I, I've noticed that there's a lot of fear mongering on both sides. Do you think that people aren't fear mongering, and that's just how it's coming off, uh, across, or do you feel like they are using this as a political strategy? You know. It's hard to say as far as the political parties. I mean, when they declare national emergencies or a state of emergency, that's not to, to cause people to panic or to, um, to leverage their theories or anything like that. It's because um, when they declare a state of emergency, it opens up the door to emergency funding. And mm -hmm. so I think that the states, when they have closed schools or when they have declared a state of emergency or when President Trump declared a, a, a national emergency, I think those were all justified actions in order to access the funding that's going to be needed to, to combat this um, pandemic. But I will say that I've seen instances where the media has gone overboard mm -hmm. in um, spreading panic over this disease. And I think it's happening a lot less now. I think that they started seeing the results of the information that they were spreading when you know the shelves on the, in the stores are empty and nobody can find toilet paper anywhere. I think at that point, the media started backing off and saying, yeah. okay, maybe we don't need to panic. But I think that initial, initially, the media did a big disservice to our community by causing people to panic about what's happening when they should have been telling people how they actually can prepare instead of buying hundreds of rolls of toilet paper, which really isn't going to do you any good. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you were to say something to all of the Republicans in Kootenai County thinking that they didn't really like Donald Trump's performance in the White House and his uh, how he's running his campaign currently, uh, what would you say to them? You know, I think not just to the to that specific group, but what I would say to voters in general is do your homework before you go to the polls. Research the candidates, what they stand for, what their platform is, what their policies are, what their plan is once they get into office. And not just for our president, but for city council seats and commissioner seats and all of the above. I think it's really important that we know what we're voting on yeah. when we go to the polls, that we know what that levy is going to do. And I think a lot of people just vote based on the letter next to the person's name. And I don't think that that is a responsible way to vote. You know, for people who want to do more research, you can request an absentee ballot. And that way you can do your research as you vote, if that's something that would help you to be a more informed voter. But I think that the worst thing that can happen is when people go to the polls uninformed and just check the boxes along party lines. I think we need, as a society, to be looking at what can help our country, what can help our community, and who can accomplish that. And that's not always the person in your own party. And, you know, it's very well known that I have switched parties on my registration mm -hmm. to vote for candidates on the other side because that's who I believed in at the time. And I can't do that now that I'm the chair yeah. of the um, Democratic Committee. Obviously, I'm committed to my Democratic registration at this point. But in the past, 
you know, I didn't always vote along party lines because I wanted to vote for the candidate that I thought would do the best job. And I think that is the most important thing that people can do. Even if you only spend five minutes a day researching the topics and researching the candidates before you go to the poll, I think would make a huge difference in the eventual leadership, not only of our community, but of our state and our country. So let me throw you this hypothetical situation in. If you were to go to the polls and let's say uh, somebody was running for uh, city council or something like that, and you didn't feel like they, and they were a Democrat and you didn't feel like they had um, the, they didn't have a good possibility uh, and they, and if they would win, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't benefit our community. Would you, what would you do in that situation? Well, currently, oh, first of all, city council in Coeur d'Alene um, and Hayden is not a partisan race, so you won't see um, them running as Republicans or Democrats. Uh, I mean, just but just generally. Maybe like on the commissioner race. Yeah. Um, right now, all three commissioners that are running are Republicans, and there are definitely one or two of them that I would vote for in a heartbeat because I think that they do what is right for our community, that their voting record is solid, that they've always made decisions in the best interest of our citizens here in Kootenai County. Yeah. And I would support them in a heartbeat, regardless of what their political party is. Yeah. Thank you for your answer. Okay, so now this is the most important question, okay? This question will determine if Idaho will ever, or if they do, vote blue. There's clearly one dominant flavor of Pop-Tarts um, that collectively collectively many thousands of millions of people have all agreed that this flavor is the best pop tart what is that flavor well i haven't eaten a pop tart in probably 20 years but i will say that when i did eat them the brown sugar cinnamon was always my favorite oh no <laughs> this is this is horrible uh cherry is the best oh okay um if, mm, mm. Well, I, I kind of had a little hope for the Democrats <laughs> of Kootenai County, but, you know, uh, Cherry. <laughs> well, thank you for being on my podcast today. Of course. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for coming, because a lot of the times when I call people, they're just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll be in contact, and hang up, and never respond. Uh, happened a couple times. Oh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say thank you, because some people don't want to go on so um thank you for listening to the kind of opinionated podcast uh tune in whenever whenever i post another one and and until next time uh goodbye